Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Four races into the season, hopefully another 19 still to come this year. Uh, we've got a week's break until Monaco hits us, uh, at least for F1. I mean, we're, we're not going to be in Monaco, unfortunately, but we believe F1 will be there. Massive shame, of course, but um, we tried our best. Uh, my name's Ben Hocking. Thank you ever so much. Welcome welcome along if you are new and welcome back if you're not new, if you've been with us before. Sam Sage and Harry Yeed, of course, are alongside. How's it going, guys? Yeah, it's good. I'd like to be in Monaco. If someone would like yeah. to arrange sponsorship or payment to take the three of us to Monaco, um, I'll be forever in your debt. So let us know. Give us a call. I mean, if anyone listening is is rich enough to go to Monaco and has the money spare, definitely call us because yeah. we want to be your friends. Not that we're shallow, but we are. Yeah, we are. Well said. Well said. Um, and we will pay you back, obviously, in approximately 5,000 years' time. Um, anyway, we've got more to discuss this evening. Um, we're going to be handing out some some grades to drivers that have joined new teams this season. How have they fared to this point? Yuki Sonoda had some choice words to say after his Q1 elimination at the Spanish Grand Prix. We're going to be discussing that. Uh, And F1 back and forth, of course, makes an appearance. But firstly, we're going to be talking Lewis Hamilton versus Max Verstappen. It's the story that's dominated this first part of the season. 14 points separate them at this point. Hamilton having won three races and finished second at one race. Verstappen, the reverse, he's won once and then finished second three times. Um, And then they've had one fastest lap bonus point each. So, uh, Sam, for you, what has been the difference to this point? Is it driver performance, car performance, luck? What is it for you? It's so close. The fact that, obviously, after four races, there's a 14-point gap, I think is quite deceptive. I think, realistically, every single race could have gone the other way at the flip of a coin, at the skip of a finger. You know, you don't snip your fingers, you, you, you click your fingers. But You might do. Please do not snip your fingers, anyone. That would be painful. Yeah, please don't do that. That Not good. Don't advise that. Anyway, so we'll go back to Bahrain. Max Verstappen, of course, I think was quite foolish in the way that he dealt with the whole illegal overtake on Lewis Hamilton. Had he played that a little bit more sensibly, um, thought about the situation uh, and what was going on with that situation, I feel like Verstappen could have easily taken that victory and that swings the gap back again. Another seven points is one winging it. And it's the same on the other side when it comes to um, comes to Spain. You know, Mercedes, not Hamilton. Well, Hamilton, yes, but Mercedes more so were the difference maker in the Spanish Grand Prix. And if Red Bull were able to think as far ahead as what uh, Mercedes were able to do, then that gap immediately comes back down to almost being in Verstappen's favour rather than Hamilton's favour. Favor, and he can execute that same strategy. Verstappen had that Grand Prix relatively solved, relatively wrapped up. Um, 
it's so hard to overtake around Catalonia that you need such a big advantage on tyres. Of course, Hamilton managed to gain that due to that incredible strategy that a few people up and down the grid managed to pull off, Hamilton being one of them. And it looked even more impressive, of course, because it was for the race wing. So the difference maker is, I think, very, very tough to tell, considering after we've only had four races as well. For me, I think bad choices and Hamilton being quick overall are the two things. Verstappen's made some poor choices. He's not been off the pace at all, apart from on a Saturday where he's qualifying as a minute because I think it should be. But um, it's Hamilton being a wily old fox, Mercedes being off a great strategy and Verstappen making a couple of poor choices that has just set him aside. Uh, but I think these things will balance out over the full course of a championship. Um, we can easily get down to that last race and there can only be a few points between it. Let's hope that... Um, Sprint qualifying, whatever it's going to be called, the sprint race doesn't decide this because it feels like it's close enough that it could. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Um, so, I mean, on, on that point, Sam, if you think it's going to sort of continue throughout this year, 14 points separate them at the moment. Can you see at, at least some point Verstappen actually resuming the lead of, of, of this championship fight? I mean, he's never had the lead of the championship fight, I'd like to add. Um, but... No, I don't. I think Red Bull and Verstappen are still playing catch-up. I think Mercedes have got a winning mentality. They're a championship-winning team. They know what it takes. They are serial winners, as is Lewis Hamilton. I do think Hamilton is still the the overall favourite. Hamilton knows what he's doing under pressure when it comes to a championship victory. He's only ever lost one, you know, twice, I suppose, if you talk about the very first one. They lost by one point to Kimi Räikkönen, and then, of course, to Nico Rosberg. So, out of, you know, the possible nine world titles, he probably could have won. Seven's pretty good. He knows what he's doing. Uh, I think Verstappen's still going to play catch-up. I don't think they've got that understanding of being in front, properly out in front. Um, and Verstappen, currently, I don't know if he can pull off what Vettel did in the season, of course, where he was toe-to-toe with three or four other very, very good drivers. That's the closest comparison I can really think of at the moment between age, team, level of ability, and what's going on at the front of the grid. So... I think Verstappen is always going to be playing catch-up, but I do think that that gap is going to shrink, grow, shrink, grow, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do get to uh, Abu Dhabi, and it is, again, a race-win difference, or it is a uh, first- to second-place difference. I would not be shocked at all. What, what do you reckon, Harry, when you look at the gap between the two drivers? What, what do you think has been the main instigator behind that? Um, I think, well, as Sam's already mentioned, Hamilton's speed uh, is, you know, got to be up there as one of the number one reasons and then I think in turn that has enabled Mercedes to execute some really great strategies and I'm obviously thinking Bahrain and Spain as the main ones here um, where they've just outfoxed Red Bull but on both occasions really and I know Verstappen was uh, was clearly quicker in in Bahrain and that overtake didn't didn't work out for him obviously Um they were, he was put in that position because Red Bull got outfoxed on strategy, really. Well, I say outfoxed. I think Red Bull had the better strategy. But, again, Hamilton's speed and Mercedes with a good strategy kind of won the day. Um, yeah, so strategy on that front for Mercedes. Hamilton's speed in both. I mean, Portimao, he was just quicker than anyone during that race. Um, and then, you know, even in Imola, where he fell off the track. And I know he got slightly lucky with the red flag, but... He still had to come through the field, and we saw that Bottas had struggled to do that all race, so he still managed to do it and got back up to P2, which rather salvaged that situation. So, um, yeah, you know, I've seen a few things saying it's Red Bull making mistakes, and I don't think they've been too mistake-ridden. I think, you know, maybe they should have not told Max to give the place back straight away in Bahrain. Yeah, but that's hindsight. Like, how are you? Bless you, Ben. Um... Yeah, I, I, that's hindsight. I don't know how you can say that's really a mistake on their front. Um, in Spain, potentially a mistake to not call him Verstappen when Hamilton had pit. But again, I think that's hindsight. I think that could have gone either way pretty easily. So um, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't put it down to Red Bull mistakes. I'd say, I, like I say, I think they've been outclassed a few times on strategy, but not really mistakes. So yeah, it's just it's just as Sam says, Mercedes are serial winners, and I think we're we're really experiencing experiencing that at the moment when they're up against a uh, another team for a championship fight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing I would say here is that when you are as a team uh, bad, or at least res- at least comparatively bad against Mercedes, is actually quite 
one of the very few benefits is it's quite easy to work out what you need to do. If you were to try and to answer the question of last year or the year before or the year before that, why didn't Max Verstappen win the Drivers' Championship in 2019 or 2020? It's very easy to answer the question. The car was nowhere near good enough. So Red Bull's strategy is a very simple, well, not very simple, but they know exactly what they need to do. They need to improve the car. The problem is right now the, the car is pretty similar in terms of pace between Mercedes and Red Bull. I don't think there's a lot in it. And actually, I think Verstappen, in terms of pure speed, is, is right there with Hamilton as well. But yet they're still losing. So it's a bit it's a bit more difficult now that they're in this fight to actually answer the question of what more do they need to do? Uh, and actually, if you look at the three races in which they haven't taken a race win this year, of course, all but Imola. Again, the difficult thing for Red Bull is I don't think there's been one reason each time as to what I don't think there's been one reason across all three races as to why they haven't won. I think there's actually an individual reason at each race. So from from, from my perspective, at least, if you're looking at Bahrain, the reason they didn't win there was driver error. I, I think it was on Verstappen that he didn't get that overtake done. Um, whether you want to blame the way in which he handled the overtake or whether you just want to look at the overtake itself and just say he should have got that done. Um, he maybe should have got back in the fight and been able to make an overtake the following lap or two laps time. Regardless, I, I think it was driver error that he didn't get that win. We then go to, obviously, one at Imola. We then go to Portugal. And on that occasion, I think it was car performance. I think the Mercedes had the, had the measure of Red Bull on that day. Um, and even though Verstappen was able to get Valtteri Bottas, thanks to some, uh, I know the, the overtake was technically on track, but I think it was largely down to what they did in the pits. Uh, again, that's a different reason as to why they didn't win compared to Bahrain. And then you look at the last race in Spain, and I think it's another reason again, because I think it was purely strategic, the reason that they didn't win. Um, you know, Hamilton and Mercedes were able to outthink Red Bull. Uh, and as a result of that, Verstappen was, you know, they could have pit him one lap after, but he'd have, he'd have come out behind and lost the race. Uh, it, you know, just a different way to how he eventually did end up losing the race, which was by being a, a sitting duck with a few laps to go. So you've got three races there, three second places for Verstappen. And, and for my money, one of them was down to driver error. One of them was down to strategic error and one of them was down to car performance. You haven't got one reason all the way through, which would actually make it much easier for Red Bull to plan their attack from here. Um, having said all of that, and I, I mean, with, Le, with Lewis Hamilton, I think it just proves to Red Bull and Verstappen that it takes more than just being as quick as Hamilton in order to beat him. Because I really think in terms of pace, there is not a lot between Verstappen and Hamilton at all. Yet Hamilton's winning by 14 points. There's a reason for that, uh, and it just shows that there is more to it. Hamilton is able to pull out these overtakes, and in the in the crucial moments, um, he's clinical when he needs to be. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's always been a trait of his, and I think it's something he's really developed over the last few years. It's not only being quick, but being quick when it especially matters. Um, having said all of that, I, I, I will say, and, and I, don't, I don't want this to come across the wrong way at all for Lewis Hamilton, uh, but I think the 14-point gap does flatter Hamilton ever so slightly. When I, what I, when I say that, I mean that Verstappen's four races to this point have all been, I, I don't want to use the word deserved, but you know he should have got second in Bahrain because he didn't make that move. He should have got first in Imola because he dominated that race and he should have got second at the last two races. That's what he that's what he earned. Hamilton, you can say in three of the races, the three wins, that he absolutely earned all three of them. He kept Verstappen behind him in Bahrain. He did a great job in executing the strategy in Spain and in Portugal he overtook both Bottas and Verstappen to win. He deserves all three of those. He earned all three of those. Imola, he, he got lucky at Imola and I don't know how many points he would have claimed if that red flag didn't come straight after his incident, but the likelihood is it wasn't going to be 18. How many, you know, even if it was eight, let's say it was eight, he would still be leading the championship by four points. So I still think overall Hamilton has done enough to lead this championship to this point. But I think because of that race, I think that's the one and only result of their two respective seasons to this point where a little bit of luck was involved. And I think he claimed more from that weekend than potentially he deserved due to that error. Having said that, though, I don't think it would have been 14 points less. So Hamilton would still be leading. A question for you on this one, Sam. If Verstappen, obviously his intention is going to be to win the Drivers' Championship, does Hamilton have to regress 
this season in order for that to happen, regardless of how good Verstappen is. What's interesting is I feel like people, I can't believe I'm saying this after someone wins seven world titles, I feel like people are starting to actually realise how good Lewis Hamilton is. He's not just the bloke who's got the fastest car and he's against Valtteri Bottas, who is all right. Valtteri Bottas, if you were to put him up against the other 17 drivers, or whatever it is, along the grid, he'd probably beat them. There's a pretty strong chance that Valtteri Bottas would be faster on raw pace than every single other driver on the grid, other than Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. So I think Max Verstappen has to elevate his game continually. I don't think Max Verstappen is at the same level as Lewis Hamilton. So yes, Hamilton either have to regress, or Sergio Perez needs to step up. The difficulty that Verstappen has, regardless of how good he is at the moment, is even if Lewis Hamilton is having an 8 out of 10, and not a 10 out of 10 as you maybe saw in Portugal, is Verstappen then also needs to beat the 6 or 7 out of 10 Valtteri Bottas, which is following him up. That immediately stops any cool strategy choices happening. He can't go do anything bold. He can't uh, switch it up a little bit in qualifying. Whereas Hamilton knows full well that I'm going to make that pit stop. I'm going to drop 24 seconds back from the lead in one race. I'm going to overtake my teammate ruthlessly in one swipe of a, a move. And then I can catch up 20 seconds in less than 20 laps to you because your teammates are nowhere near. If Perez had inherited second place after Max Verstappen, that doesn't become a viable option. That becomes incredibly difficult to pull off. Hamilton then has to go past an actual rival of his, not a teammate. I mean, Bottas made it more difficult than he needed to, but Hamilton easily swept him aside. Perez needs to step up. It needs to be a team versus team fight. Bottas, as much as I don't think he's having a good season, is still doing enough to make it difficult for Red Bull, which is enough for a second driver. Perez is not. So either Hamilton has to regress, Perez needs to step up, or both need to happen, I think, for Red Bull to really capitalise with the staff and winning a world championship. Hamilton is, is not down on his luck yet. It's another couple of years, it feels like, until Hamilton even starts to lose that raw ability. So you need absolutely everything and the kitchen sink to be thrown right at Hamilton all in one go to have a realistic chance of taking him down. Max Verstappen did the right thing when he did that first pass move in Imola, that first corner move, sorry, got the others out, made it stick, did the right thing in Spain with that same move. The difference is, of course, that um, Imola's a really tough track to overtake on. Hamilton made a silly mistake and just got lucky. Verstappen needs more of that. You need to get more luck your way with a teammate to back you up, which he hasn't had so far for probably the last three to four seasons now, since Ricardo was in the car. So um, a lot of factors, I think, need to come together to beat Lewis Hamilton. And that, I think that tells you a lot. What, what do you reckon, Harry? Do you think that regardless of how good Verstappen is this season, even if he's on the top of his game, do you think that needs to be complemented by Hamilton making some maybe uncharacteristic errors? Um, I mean, it would absolutely help Verstappen's cause, wouldn't it? But I think the likelihood is uh, is very unlikely, isn't it, of Hamilton starting to... You know, he made an error in Imola, and I would, you know, I wouldn't... I wouldn't be sure that he'd make another error like that again this year, maybe in the next two years. That's the kind of consistency that Hamilton has. And even when he does make the errors, he tends to come back for them, you know, and still score 18 points. So, um, yeah, I agree with what Sam said in terms of there's lots of factors that need to be involved. You know, ask Nico Rosberg. Uh, Rosberg was obviously great in 2016, but he still had to have some, uh, uh, you know, other factors involved to beat Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton had some reliability issues that year, um, and it's you know still went down to the wire. So I think it's yeah, some luck's going to have to happen. I think for Verstappen because I think yeah, I agree with what you said, Ben. I think Verstappen and Hamilton on raw pace are very similar this year, um, and it's taking the other elements of Hamilton and the Mercedes team, their, their other skills to beat to beat Red Bull. Um, so it's making it even more difficult. It's not just on speed alone, because like we've seen, we've seen, we've seen them go toe to toe, and you know Verstappen's won two two of those occasions, should we say? Um, if we're talking on track this year, so yeah, it's going to take a lot. It's going to some bad luck for Mercedes. I agree with Sam. I think Checker's going to have to be involved in this fight, at least to like rule out. Bottas, even if it's not getting in Hamilton's set, I think if you take Bottas out of the equation, it makes life more easy for, for Verstappen. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that is, again, what Sam said, it's shocking that people are only just realising how good he is, um, that you need all of these things to just, just to beat him. Uh, it's quite incredible. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely great. I, I I still find it ridiculous. You spoke about reliability of Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I think this was a graphic that that flashed up during that that race at Imola. That his last DNF was the 2018 Austrian Grand Prix. <laughs> but and I I could be wrong on this, but I feel like the the retirement before that was the Malaysian Grand Prix. Where, oh no, I I think there's been one retirement since that happened, which is absolutely crazy. I saw a statistic of some variation that said he had had eight retirements in the entire hybrid era, something like that, eight Sounds to twelve right. maximum. Which is incredible, considering this hybrid era is now, what, seven to eight years old. He's had pretty much, on average, one a season on a real push. Most of them came in the Rosberg season of 2016. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, and just to say, actually, before we move on from, from me, that regardless of you know who's in the lead of the championship, isn't it just brilliant that we can even have a discussion about Hamilton going toe to toe with someone for a title? That's it might be Thank it might be Lord. premature, but you know we are only four races in, but you know we're actually able to discuss four Grand Prix to this point, all of which, for my money, have been good races, um, and in all four of them, we've had the two of them dueling it out for wins, um, which is a f- nice uh, bit of uh, bit of freshness, isn't it? I know, I know it's not um, the topic that we're on. It's a bit off track. But in terms of quality of races, the last season and a half has been pretty bloody brilliant in terms of exciting Grand Prix. We've had more incredible moments on track, it feels like, over the last 17, 18 races than we feels like we've had almost in the last six years kind of thing. But the last season was brilliant. Almost every race was an absolute banger. There was only one or two that were really kind of, eh. And the start of this season already has been really bloody exciting. Formula 1, it feels like it's on the up in terms of exciting on-track action. Let's hope that the new spec cars coming next season can really deliver something that carries that momentum on. Since the start of the 2020 season, apart from, I would say, the Spanish Grand Prix last year, have we had a bad race? Like, oh, I think that is the only one. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, Abu Dhabi uh, possibly. Yeah. Well, that's just Abu Dhabi things, isn't it? Yeah, I, I just think, I just choose to forget Abu Dhabi exists True. really. But I mean, so two, enough. two, two races out of the last seventeen have been duds. Fifteen out of seventeen, I'll take that. You know, those odds anywhere. It's <laughs> pretty good going. It's pretty good yeah. going. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, so, as we say, four races in, uh, and the there's the drivers at new teams in 2021. They've had a bit of a time to adjust now. So we're talking Carlos Sainz, obviously at Ferrari, Daniel Ricciardo now at McLaren, Sergio Perez at Red Bull, Sebastian Vettel, at Aston Martin, and we're gonna throw Fernando Alonso in there as well. Even though he's technically not joined a new team, he's he's back in Formula One, obviously. Um, so you've got five drivers there. Um, and we're going to we're going to grade them sort of A plus to F uh, on how well we think they're doing to this point. So, Sam, I'll start with you and we'll start with Carlos Sainz. What do you think? Carlos Sainz is doing exactly what I thought and wanted Carlos Sainz to do. He, he came into that first race. It was good. Good, not great. But, you know, fine. It's something you expect in a, a new team, especially a Ferrari, which is I feel culturally very hard to adjust to. I know he's up against Gogh Leclerc. We know how good Gogh Leclerc is, especially in that Ferrari. Just seems to know how to pull every ounce of speed out of it. Um, and each race, it feels like Carlos Sainz has just grown more and more and more comfortable. He's really showing that true skill that a lot of us have known he's had for quite some time as an underrated driver. Um, I'm really impressed with Carlos Sainz. I always not go as far as an A+, but he's really delivering. He's showing great track plays, making some good moves, qualifying well. I would give him a solid B+, I think. Harry, what what grade are you going for, Carlos Sainz? Um, I I might go one above Sam and go for an A minus. Um, yeah, I I, I I totally agree with what Sam says. I think he has almost flown under the radar slightly, uh, but he's doing a solid job against God Leclerc. Let's not forget, he is a god. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean Leclerc's been just doing Leclerc things, but so I think Sainz, considering. It's only race four. I think he's done a really solid job in that car. Um, and yeah, like I said, kind of just flown flown under the radar. Got got things done. Um, yeah, I've been pretty impressed. I mean, if I say impressed, like he like I didn't expect much, but it was yeah. What as Sam said, what I kind of expected signs to be like. And I'm glad he hasn't struggled like he has at Renault. 
so far. Um, so yeah, I'll go for A minus for color signs. Yeah, I, I have to say I, I didn't think this was going to work. Signs to Ferrari. Um, I, I honestly thought that Leclerc was going to wipe the floor with them, uh, and I'm I'm happy to say that I'm I'm wrong on this one because Signs has done a good job. This is I mean this is one where if you just look at the statistics you don't actually get a good measure of what a good job Sainz has done this year because you could look at the stats and say, well, Charles Leclerc's finished ahead in all four of the races we've had so far. And in terms of points, Leclerc has 40 and Sainz has 20. So on those stats, it seems as if Charles Leclerc is doing a pretty dominant job. But if you look a bit deeper than that, Carlos Sainz is pretty much there every single session that they have. You know, even in qualifying, you know, Charles Leclerc has pulled out a couple of great laps in Q3, but if you're to take sort of the Q1 and the Q2 and the Q3 times and sort of add them all up, Charles Leclerc is only winning 7-6. Like it's really close between them. And generally speaking, when there is a difference, it's a tenth, two tenths. Spain was a prime example. They they were almost stuck together throughout qualifying until Charles Leclerc pulled out uh, a really good lap at the end of end of Q3. I think in the races, you know, Charles Leclerc has been helped a bit when not been helped he's helped himself really in terms of grid positions you know Spain signs probably would have got ahead of Ricardo if it was any other track um similarly uh Portugal Charles Leclerc seemed to be on the better strategy compared to um to compared to Carlos Sainz so I I've been really impressed and I didn't think I would be this impressed at this point I I'm going to agree with Harry I'm going to give him an A minus I think he's done a really good job uh let's move on to the person who's replaced Carlos Sainz at McLaren, Daniel Ricciardo. What are you going for here, Sam? Um, so I'm going to... To me, he's not done as well as Carlos Sainz, but I, if we redo this quiz, test, whatever you want to call it, uh, in maybe another four or five races' time, then I really think that Daniel is probably the cri- prime candidate. It's not crime candidate, that's not words. Um, <laughs> he's to a see crime candidate. I prefer that crime version. Pandigate. He's a crime candidate to see that grade go way up the scale. So I'm going to give him a, a C plus for Daniel Ricciardo. Ricciardo's most recent race, Spain, that was great. That is Daniel Ricciardo getting to the point where I am used to seeing Daniel Ricciardo. The first three races, on the other hand, as my voice cracks, um, were not the Daniel Ricciardo we're used to. We're not Daniel Ricciardo that we know and love. He was really struggling to set into that car, it felt like. But also, on the flip side, Lando Norris has been like a little beast in that McLaren at the start of this season. The man's form has been ridiculously good. You know, uh, sorry, Daniel, can I get past, please? Oh, sorry, Daniel, I'm four and a half seconds up the road now. Bye. Like, on Daniel Ricciardo, that's some people that some say if he was in, you know, the Mercedes now, if he was in the Red Bull now, he would beat Verstappen and Hamilton. That's how highly some people rate Daniel Ricciardo. Um, So I think we come back maybe race nine, race ten, Daniel Ricciardo is starting to settle. The tables might be starting to turn a little bit as he finds his feet. I think this is now where Daniel kind of lassoes that rope round, pulls it on there and starts pulling it back towards him. So it's a C plus for now, but I would not be shocked if we get to the end of the season, midpoint of the season, and he's on a, a B, a B plus, even closer to an A, because the guy just knows how to drive quickly. And he does it all so well, and he looks so, so good. So frustrating. <laughs> It is a regular source of frustration, just how good <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo looks. Uh, Harry, are you going more generous or, or not on this one? Um, I'm going to be more generous again than Sam, but I, I'm going to give him a B. I think Ricciardo has, uh, I mean, he had a disastrous quality in Portimao, and his race pace, as Sam said, Norris has been absolutely mighty this year, um, and it's so Ricciardo's race pace hasn't been anywhere near it, really. But he's out-qualified Lando three times in the past four races. I mean, he's not lacking that much speed. I know Imola, uh, Norris got his time deleted, but stay in the trap, mate, and you won't get your time deleted. So, um, God damn right. You tell him. Yeah. <laughs> can, can you tell the whole grid while you're at it? Yeah, well, <laughs> deaf ears, mate. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think Ricardo's had that bad a time. I think it's just, you know, looked worse Uh because of how good Norris has been in the race, he had, a, as I said, bad time in, in Portimao quality. But he, again, made up for it in the race. He came back into the points. Um, so, yeah, I think Ricardo's had a pretty... I think Ricardo's had a better start to his McLaren career than he did to his Renault one. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give him Ricky Bobby a B. Um, I am going to give Daniel Ricardo a C on this one. Um 
Looking at the, I mean, some sometimes the stats that I know I just said on the signs one, sometimes you need to look deeper into the stats. But here, I, I think they paint a pretty accurate picture in the first race, Norris beaten by 20 seconds. The second race, he beaten by 27 seconds. The third race, he beaten by 24 seconds. And that second one, obviously, the 27 seconds one, that was Imola, where a safety car probably probably flattered that amount as well. That, that could have been higher than that. Um I don't think I don't think Ricardo's been been terrible and you know I will often say that drivers joining new teams it is a really difficult task and Ricardo himself has seen that when he joined Renault so um and I I'm with Sam's line of thinking here really that by race 9 race 10 I'm sure this is going to be better than a C grade um but at the moment he he has struggled quite a lot um Spain was definitely the, the good news is if you want an encouraging race, you want it to be the most recent one to indicate that it's going to get better. And his his Spanish Grand Prix was by far his best race so far. Um, so I, I have little doubt that he'll get there, but I don't think he's he's quite adjusted yet. Sergio Perez, Sam, what what have you got for this one? Sergio Perez is so confusing that man, and I try really hard to be, you know, non-biased because I, I am a fan of Sergio Perez. I very much like him. I need to compare him to the same trend that we did with Gasly and Albon when they went to that seat. And I guess I do have higher expectations of Perez because he's an experienced driver at this point. He should be able to get to grips with what's going on. And he's had some good and he's had some bad. I felt sorry for him in Bahrain, and yet he still turned out an absolutely brilliant performance. We then, of course, went to, uh, to Imola and it was just fault after fault for him at Imola. It was not good enough at all. Uh, we go to Portimao. He's not really there, but at the same time, he has moments of really strong pace. And in Spain, he kind of got caught up at the start, wasn't able to you know, deliver what he wanted to, but then came back and the result was kind of what you wanted it to be right at the end. I'm going to give him a, uh, I'm going to give him a C-. I'm, I'm not disheartened. But I am expecting a bit more to come from him. And I think that Red Bull is particularly tricky to get hold of. He is improving well in qualifying. He's doing all right. That is his weak spot. I just want to see a little bit of that kind of long-term tyre wear Perez magic that just sees him pull a performance out of nowhere. And I haven't had that delivered yet. But we are only four races in. And I, I, Perez is great at adapting. Perez is great at knowing what happens you know, with the car. And he's great at reading a race. Um, I think he's under a bit of pressure, classic Red Bull, maybe a little bit of toxicity going on there. We have seen it, of course, with the youngsters. Um, I think Perez can deliver. Again, I think Perez is very much at the risk of, we could get to race 10 and redo this, and actually Perez could very much go the other way to Daniel Ricciardo, and it could drop all the way down if he doesn't get it sorted by race 10, race 11. And I will be of the opinion that he needs to be doing a lot more. So Perez is in a risky position. For me, it's all right. He can pick this up and carry on, and he can progress. But a couple more slips, and it's it's down the drain with him, I think. Uh, and the the grade for that one? Oh, did I not give him a grade? I thought I said C minus. Am I going mad? Did you? I, I might have missed it. Fair enough. C oh, minus. Good. Um, I'm going completely mad. <laughs> no, He's I must just have missed it. Too busy chucking Checo down the drain. <laughs> Get down that drain, Checo. Get down sort there. the loose out. Right. Uh, just to clarify, we don't have Sergio Perez hostage. For those of you that can't see video at the moment, um, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Harry, what's your uh, what's your grade for? And I might even listen to you one. Oh, thanks. Um, I actually agree with Sam. I'm going to also go for a C minus. Um, I think, yeah, Jacko has he just needs a weekend, like a whole weekend of good because he's, he's shown lots of glimpses of goodness. Um, but they just don't they're not consistent enough through the weekend. So you know, Bahrain his qualifying wasn't great, and then he obviously broke down on the way to the grid, but then had a really solid race. Uh, Imola qualifying was mighty, terrible race. Portimao, can't remember what happened to Portimao. <laughs> Move on. It was a long time <laughs> ago. It's it's it was like it's like a week and a half ago. Do you just um, not? You couldn't remember Perez's name on the podcast <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Do you just really not like him? I do like. I like Checo. Oh, sorry, che- no hate against you, Checo, mate. If you're listening, um, <laughs> yeah. And then in. In Spain, you know, Quali wasn't great. He he made some moves in the race. Um, yeah, I just think he needs to string together a whole weekend 
and you know we've always spoken about it. It's it's important for the title fight for Red Bull, but you know even for his own career, I think uh, he just needs some sort of weekends. But, but we know we can do it. It's uh, it's not like he he's an unknown quantity. We know Perez can string together those solid weekends. So um, yeah, I, I I'm not worried. But for the going by the first four races, I'll go with a C minus. Well. In the immortal words of Oprah Winfrey, you get a C minus, you get a C minus, you get a C minus. Um, no, no problem at all. Uh, yeah, C minus for me as well. I, I agree with the points that you've made there. I, I think one one thing that I would raise here, and it's not so important after race four, but I think in five, six races time, it is going to be more important. We're comparing him a lot to Gasly and Albon because we know the job that Red Bull want him to do is the job that they couldn't do. I have to remember that Perez has got a better car at his disposal than what Albon and Gasly did. You know, in 2019, when Gasly was there, it might have been the second fast. It was pretty much on a par, I would say, with the Ferrari that year for second. But, you know, the Mercedes was well out ahead of them in 2019. Again, 2020, Red Bull was a very clear second, but Mercedes were far better than what Albon had to drive last year. At least four races into this season, it seems as if, comparative to Mercedes, they have got a better car than what Gasly and Albon were able to drive. So if, if, you look at, if you look at the podium containing three drivers and you look at Red Bull and Mercedes having four drivers between them and four races in, Perez hasn't been on the podium yet. It doesn't, doesn't look great. Um, so he's got a lot of work to make up. I, I am still under the belief that he will get there. Um, but for the moment, at least... You're right, Sam. It's confusing because there have been a few glimpses of, of goodness in there. There have also been some Albanesque or, or Gasly-esque moments too. So uh, I'm going to go C minus for now. We'll see how see how it pans out. There is, folks. We've got the hashtag for the podcast. Hashtag glimpses of goodness. <laughs> I mean that could, that could be that's on just the, the description, description, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very very hashtag. small glimpses, but glimpses, glimpses nonetheless. Of one every six episodes. That's our only review. <laughs> <laughs> Seb Vettel. Sam, what have you got for him? Um, a lot of the time I forget that Seb Vettel is on the track. So that tells you a lot. Um, I, I'm a big Seb Vettel fan. I really enjoy him. I like his driving style. The, he's had one proper good moment and that was the qualifying in Portugal. And I, I was... In my head, I convinced myself that because we're now going to go back to a track that Sebi Vett has driven a lot in his career, we're back at Spain, he knows Spain, he's won at Spain, he's going to be good here, he's going to be right here. And it just kind of fell apart again. It just kind of ended up in the middle of nowhere, not really achieving too much. Um, and that's kind of always been the case for the majority of the season. So I'm going to give Sebi Vett a D-. minus. Um, Stroll has shown some proper good moments. Stroll has gained some proper decent points and Stroll has regularly been fighting on the cusp of where those Ferraris and McLarens have been and now the Alpines have suddenly turned up and they're in that spot too. So, I, I've been more impressed with Stroll by far than I have with Vettel. Uh, and maybe Vettel needs a bit of tough love. Maybe everyone's expecting that because he's a full-time world champion he might roll back into that form. Uh, but he does need a bit of a kick up the, the old backside, I think. And hopefully he gets there. Hopefully he is on par and scoring some good points. But right now... It's, it's not good. It's not good. I think he'll ease into it. I hope, I pray that we get some of it back. But right now, it's a D minus. He's just not at it. What grade are you going for, Harry? Uh, I'm going to give him the same grade as Checo. I'm going to give him a C minus. Um, I think if you, and not to compare, I don't want to com- you know, compare those two, but mistake wise, uh, Seb ran into the back of Ocon in, in Bahrain, which was pretty rookie. Um, but apart from that, I know he hasn't been particularly fast. He had the good qualifying in Portimao. Um, he's been, I mean, the past couple of races, there or thereabouts with Stroll. I mean, he was in that battle in on, on Sunday. I think he was saying for Portimao. I just don't think the cars... I, and I agree with what Sam said about Stroll. I think Stroll's actually been another one who's flown under the radar this year in terms of good performances. No one's really talked about him. Bless him. Um, but... Yeah, I, I don't think it's been a partic- as bad as maybe it seems for Vettel. I just think where that car is on the grid, no one's really, no one's really paying much attention to it. So um, yeah, I don't think it's don't think it's been awful, but uh, yeah, it's not been great. But I, I think that quality we saw in 
Portimao was encouraging at least. Um, but, you know, I don't think that car's going to go too further up the grid this year. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think C-. minus. think I'm happy with that. <laughs> as long as you think you're happy with it, that, that's right, enough It's, it's the conviction of my arguments which make me so uh, convincing. You won't remember it. <laughs> He'll forget tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I gave him a B plus, didn't I? Uh, no. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually going to go somewhere in the middle of you. I'm going to go D plus. Um, the, the qualifying is a bit damning in that he's losing. He's losing three one to Lance Stroll in qualifying at the moment. Um, obviously, Portimao was probably his best moment where he did out qualify Stroll and did, you know, reach Q three. Did a good job. Um, let, let's not forget, and this is no disrespect to, to Sergei Sorokin. Lance Stroll was someone who was out-qualified by Sergei Sorokin, 13-8. That's a fair point. It's... Stroll, I, you know, Stroll, Stroll's a decent driver, don't get me wrong, but qualifying's not his strength. It never has been. Uh, I'm pretty sure his debut season, he, he out-qualified Felipe Massa, who at the time was 63 years old, three times. Um, <laughs> and his first season at Racing oh, Point sorry. against... Sergio Perez, he, I think, again, out-qualified him three times across the whole year. Um, and as I say, Stroll, Stroll is, a, is a solid driver within the race. You know, his start's are legendary. And generally, I think this season he's done a good job. But qualifying is not his forte. So it's a little worrying to see Vettel having lost three times already to him. Um, yeah, the mistake in Bahrain was was a rookie error, as you say, Harry. Uh, and generally, there, there hasn't been that much to cheer at this point in time. Hopefully he gets it back. Um, remains to be seen, though. And lastly, uh, Fernando Alonso. Obviously not not joining a team from another team, but he's joining from the Formula One uh, abyss. So, Sam, <laughs> what, what are you going for? The abyss. I don't know. What, what other word do you want? The, you just go into a pit when you retire. <laughs> the, the outback. I don't know. It's not like he was in the sale bin. And then, um, like a new season's come out, and they've gone. He was getting back on the shelf. Getting back on the shelf. Um, you know those toys where you like press their foot and they do something. They, they, he actually goes like this. He, do, he does the old uh, two-time world two-time champ world dance. Champ. Two-time yeah. world champ. Everyone do it. You just you can't press his foot. Do it. Yeah. Two-time world champ. Um, <laughs> Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso. If we're talking about comedic moments or moments of great radio or moments I've just enjoyed watching on the. Um, on the telly, he's like an A. I've loved watching Fernando back in the sport. It's so good having him where he is. Um, but in terms of actual race, I'm, sorry, I just want to also speak on that moment in Imola again, where that big crash happened and the camera panned and he was still just sat on the grass. All <laughs> like, oh, got a skedaddle. Uh, just hilarious. So <laughs> funny. Fast. <laughs> oh, God, get out of here. I've seen yeah. me, rats, um, <laughs> a moustache. Um, so it's just so funny to me that he's, he can make him sat in his helmet with his eyes like that suspicious dog. Like, have they seen me? Oh, God, the camera's there. Um, hilarious. So in that moment, yeah, A. Fernando Alonso himself, um, Ocon, again, is like Scroll, massively under the radar. Ocon, the last couple of races, has pulled it out of nowhere, in my opinion, and has done some brilliant drives. Alonso hasn't been too far off, I don't think. I think Alonso, for me, is going to get a C+. I think he's getting there. I don't think he'll ever return to what we once saw, unfortunately. You know, time out, he's getting older, whatever. But he's still great to have in the car. It still shows how good he is. And um, I'm excited to see more. I do think the more comfortable he gets, the more we'll get a bit of old Alonso back. But uh, for now, it's satisfactory for what I wanted. Well, that's good to hear. As, lo- as long as you're happy enough, Sam. Um, I'm very pleased. Harry, uh, are you going C plus as well or something else? Uh, a plus, mate. He's a, he's god. Of course. <laughs> um, no, I am going to go for a B minus for Fernando. Um, obviously, I love him, but uh, yeah, his quality pace has not been anywhere. And I think even if you look back at it. His career, his qualifying's never been his, really his strong point. He's obviously got quite a few poles, but it's never actually been a Saturday qualifier. It's not really been his thing, um, so, and, and it's definitely not been his thing this year. And it's you know not been great. And as Sam said, Ocon's been pretty impressive in the past couple of races, in particular. Um, but I think what the encouraging thing is for Alonso is that his race pace, where he's always been strong this year, has still been pretty 
impressive. Um, thinking Bahrain, Portimao, where again he recovered from a bad, bad uh, qualifying, which is his own fault. But yeah, his race pace is still there, so he can still he can still put it out the bag for a race. Uh, he just needs to improve on his quality, I think, and and he he'll get closer to the old Fernando that we all love. So you know, I know Sam, you said about you know a a for being on the TV and stuff and his team radio. He's not really said much. Barely heard him. There was Is a he... great moment, um, and not just him, Ray, I'm talking about like moments behind the wheel. I don't know if you've seen it, the clip of him starting his, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, his, warm, his, his qualifying lap in Spain. He's like, oh, there's cars in front, there's cars in front, there's cars in front, clears it off. So he sh- puts his foot down, and the poor bloke really loops the car, and his re- reflexes to spin that, and then go 200 miles an hour down the straight, like, like that. It was incredible. And I'm like, that is so Alonso. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's like the most flamboyant way to start a qualifying lap. Almost bin it, yeah, uh, and then do qualifying lap. But um, yeah. Uh, so what did I say? B minus. <laughs> <That's it>. uh, <laughs> classic. Uh, I am going to go with a C plus. I'm going to agree with Sam on this one. Um, yeah, I think he, he he's been all right. It's been encouraging in parts, and I think the real question for Alonso is after having been out of the sport for a while, he's you know 40 years old now. Is that the peak? Is is there a bit more from him? Is there a lot more from him? I, I think those questions are going to remain unanswered for the time being. Um, and I think as the season goes on, we'll be able to find out exactly. You know, has it just been a case of oh, he you know he was out of F one for a few years, he was a bit rusty, he's going to get back to somewhere near his best soon, or is it you know this is it? This is what Alonso is capable of right now. Um, I don't I don't really know what the answer is at the moment, and only the racing will really tell us at this point. I think, you know, what you said about Portimao is right in that his race pace was was electric at Portimao. If he actually qualified somewhere, it would have been on for a winner. But, um, you, you know, it was quite interesting as well with Daniel Ricciardo having to fight his way back through the field in the same way that Alonso sort of did. Um, Alonso kicked on in that final stint where Ricciardo couldn't. So, you know, Alonso outclassed Ricciardo on a very similar strategy that day. Um and other races, I think I think you're right in what you say that he needs to sort his qualifying out slightly because if you're to look at um, Spain, uh, he you know, he he, out, he was out qualified by Ocon by quite a few positions, and they were both on the one stop strategy where most had transitioned to a two. Ocon had the track position to just about scrape a P9 in the end. Obviously, he had Gasly right on his tail at the end of the race. Alonso didn't have that buffer, and as a result, he he dropped down the order as as the laps went away in the last few. Um, so I think qualifying is going to be a big aspect of his success this season and whether he can get that back. But um, yeah, C plus. I think he's done an all right job to this point. I'm, I'm excited to see if there's if there's more to come. Uh, we'll move on then to Yuki Sonoda. So after finding P9 on his debut in Bahrain, he's had uh, he's failed to finish three races. Uh, sorry, he's failed to score at three races in a row now. Um, he got knocked out of Q1 at the Circuit to Catalonia last time out the Spanish Grand Prix. Had some interesting words about the car. So this is what he had to say. He said that every time it's the opposite, and the opposite he's referring to is his feedback compared to Gasly's feedback. Uh, he had a little bit of a question mark if it's the if it's the same car. Um, you know, the character of the car is different. Uh, maybe it's just the driving style, but doesn't know. Uh, he doesn't understand why he's struggling this much at this point. So, Harry, why why do you think this is? What, what do you think about his comments mainly? You know, do you think that they were inappropriate? Look, we all love little Yuki Sonoda, little fiery rocket that is Yuki Sonoda. And we, you know, all three of us agree, we don't want our F1 drivers bland. No one wants a bland, rich tea <laughs> racing driver. Um, no one wants a boiled potato of a racing driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Paul Tracy. Um, <laughs> so look, we we all want a passionate uh, F1 driver, but you can't race four into your F1 career question whether you're being given the same equipment. And maybe that I don't know whether it's you didn't mean it like that, but it you know sounded like he's questioning whether he's been given the same equipment as his teammate Gasly, which it's just, just not. Ask Fernando Alonso about bridges and burning them down. Just don't, don't do it, especially race four into your career. It's just not it's just not a wise move. And, you know, he'll 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 learn from it. But, um, yeah, it was just a silly one. Uh, 
whether it's correct, I don't think it is. I mean, in terms of taking feedback, you know, if you've got Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda and Tsunoda saying something entirely different for a setup, because both cars go in similar directions into a, up to a point, if Tsunoda's saying something completely different compared to Gasly, it's understandable that the engineer's going to go with what Gasly's saying rather than rather than what Sonoda's saying, because Sonoda's done four races. So, um, yeah, uh, it's it's a, it's a trick one for young Yuki. He just needs to, I think, calm down a bit and maybe concentrate on pulling a whole weekend together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sam, what's your feelings on his uh, his comments? As Harry said, we love the little rocket, the, su- the, su- the Sonoda Starship. But all with T in the front of it, of course, uh, for that uh, Sonoda branding. Um, the man is absolutely hilarious. He's brilliant. He's such a personality. I love that he's in Formula One, and I want him in Formula One for a long time. We've we've got a lot of fondness for a lot of Japanese drivers throughout history, and I think Yuki is just the next in line of brilliant personalities that have, have joined the sport. Um, so, like, I love that he's speaking up. At the same time. I'm slightly nervous that there are going to be some higher powers that are going to very much not like that he's speaking up about the car so early on into his career. Um, they're also going to trust Gasly's feedback more. Gasly's been at that team for an hour, a considerable period of time. Gasly has joined in with um, Red Bull, of course, for that season, so he's got that expertise. When you give feedback and you can drive as fast as Gasly can, and you've got the experience that Gasly now does, it kind of makes sense to side with what Gasly is saying and push that way forward. Yuki... Is having some hit or miss races. I think he's going to pull it together. We know Yuki's got talent. He won, what, I think three F2 races last season. The guy put on some brilliant performances. He had a great performance in uh, Bahrain for round one. Absolutely slung it around the outside of Alonso. You don't see that from a rookie, you know, all the time. And the fact that one rookie is overtaking another one is absolutely fantastic. So well done, Yuki Tsunoda. Um, of course, the problem there is he hasn't been able to deliver that consistent performance through... Imola through Portimao and through Spain. I mean, a lot of people made, mis- made mistakes in Imola, but Yuki's was very, very rookie-esque. He just kind of overdid it on the throttle, just looped the car around without even being really too close to people, which is a shame. And he's just had some problems. Um, he's got a lot of confidence in himself to be able to shout out about conspiracy theories, maybe not having the same car. And it'll be a revelation if they come out to be true, but I somehow don't think they will be. I don't think AlphaTauri are really in the place to start picking obvious favourites and giving someone a dud car. So, it's outlandish, it's great, I love hearing it. Whether it's going to help him in the long run, I don't know. But hey, as Harry said, we don't want rich team drivers. We want hobnobs and custard creams and Fox's chocolate-coated biscuits all in their F1 cars and brunch bars. So, um, I was about to say. we want them all. We do not <laughs> want a rich team. I thought this podcast episode might go through without a brunch bar reference, but never, never, never. Now, I mean, at this point, we could very easily go on uh, seamlessly as if nothing has happened. We've we've been here for the last 30 minutes trying to get to this point because of technical errors, Um, but... Here's here's my view on Yuki Tsunoda and then what he's had to say. Finally, honestly, Sam and Harry have been uh, have just been waiting in anticipation. Um, and the bottom line is, I, I basically agree with what they say in that we don't want our drivers to be overly bland. We don't want them to be, um, pro, you know, these robots that are programmed to give nothing away in their interviews. We want them to be honest and open. And uh, and actually, the the way in which he came out and said that. You know, it's not responding. You know, the, our feedback's very different. I think our driving styles might be different. That's absolutely fine. And I think if he he just said that, then I would be not only okay with this. I'd, I'd thought, yeah, that, that's great that he's being honest about his struggles in the car. The problem is he, he's insinuated here that the car's different, and you know, I I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a wise point to make. You don't want to make enemies. I don't think there's any reason why they would be against Yuki Tsunoda and giving him a different car because, you know, they hold him in very high esteem. They could have had Albon in the car if they wanted to. They chose against that for for Yuki Tsunoda. And we know Gasly struggles with the the team internally. So I I don't see any reason why they would purposefully sabotage Tsunoda's season uh, or just put full emphasis on on the way Gasly wants to drive. Um, I, I think this is a case where... French Toast probably isn't going to be very happy about this. He's going to, 
he's going to sit him down. French toast has been around for a long time, even if Lewis Hamilton isn't aware of it. And, you know, he'll set him right and um, he'll make sure that he doesn't come out with comments like this again. It's a learning curve, but, you know, he's a rookie. That's what happens in the first year of, uh, of Formula One drivers' careers. He just needs think... to learn to butter him up, really. Nice. Yeah. I was about to say, do you think Yuki Sonoda is actually in charge of our uh, recording tool and he Ooh. heard us? <laughs> he yeah, heard us but... criticise him. He's like, nope, that is enough. That is enough. Yeah, my, my original answer was much more horrible against him and he, you know, I've learned my lesson on that and we're going to go back to being Yuki Sonoda propagandists. So. There we yeah, go. I mean, we've been recording since Sunday afternoon and it's now nearly Thursday morning, so that's how painful this has been. Actually, 2022. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're building up to the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix. Love it. Um, cool. Let's move on to our final topic, which is F1 back and forth. F1 back and forth. It's F1. Back and forth, it goes backwards, then goes forth, it's F1. Back and forth, F1. Here we go. Um, if you haven't watched before or listened before, F1 back and forth is a fairly simple concept. It's a fairly simple game and it will be Sam against Harry. Um, there will be a category, there will be a number of correct answers. They go back and forth until one of them can't think of an answer or gives a wrong answer. Um, this is a bit of a staple of the show, so those of you that have watched before, I'm sure you'll have uh, you'll have seen before, and we encourage you to join along, see how many you can name. Can you name more than Harry and Sam combined? I'd uh, be impressed if you do. So um, you'll be pleased to know it's actually a fairly simple one. Um, in ter- you know, it's not it's not overly complex. I'm not sure how many you'll get, but it's fairly simple. <laughs> It's it's straightforward to the point where I only want you to name Formula One world champions. Um, there are thirty three of them in total, spanning nineteen fifty to two thousand and twenty, um, and you just got to name as many as you can. So, Sam, um, I feel like there are probably a few obvious ones to start here. So, um, what's your first answer? It's definitely not some time scale, right? That I'm going to end up going underneath. <laughs> yeah. No, nineteen fifty to twenty twenty. <laughs> Right, uh, okay. Uh, well, Lewis Hamilton, the reigning in. Ah, he's fallen at the first... No, well done. Um, <laughs> correct answer. Harry. Nico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg was a world champion. The, the last world champion, or the last unique world champion at least. Um, Sam. Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel. It still seems crazy that only one person has won a world title new since Vettel won. It's uh, it's been a very dominant kind of decade or so, hasn't it? Yeah. What's your next answer, please, Harry? Jensen Button. JB, 2009 world champion. Sam. Fernando Alonso. Two-time world champ. Two-time world champ. Can't wait to bring that out in the clubs on 21st of June. <laughs> for, for those who are listening uh, and not are not watching along Sam is dancing um, unsurprisingly Harry what's your next answer um, Michael Schumacher he won a couple didn't he he won a he got a win or two under his belt yeah Schumacher <laughs> right car <laughs> lovely uh, Sam uh, Kimi Raikkonen 2007 champ is correct Harry uh, Mika Hakkinen, another two-time world champ, uh, but a bit before Fernando Alonso. Correct answer, Sam. Uh, Juan Manuel Fangio. Correct answer. We're going old school early on, Harry. We were doing very well on the old uh, <laughs> the chronology there, and then <laughs> yeah. Sam whipped out Fangio. Sorry, um, <laughs> I will go for. Oh, oh God. The least deserving world champion, Jacques Villeneuve. Oh, I'd already crossed it off before you finished that <laughs> sentence, which uh, which is is very clear as to how much you dislike that man. Um, Sam. I kind of wanted to leave that one to you, so maybe there Thank is you. method Thanks. in my madness. Um, Alan Prost. Alan Prost is a correct answer, Harry. Uh, Damon Dad Joke Hill. Oh, Good old Dill. 
Yeah. Lo- lovely guy. Sam. Ayrton Senna. Ayrton Senna, multiple time world champion. Harry. Nigel Mansell. The moustache. Nigel Mansell. Correct answer. Back to you, Sam. Uh, Nicky Lauda. Three time champ, Nicky Lauda, yep. Harry. Three time wood champ. Yeah, um, time what, what's that dance? That's the question. <laughs> uh, J- James Hunt. Yep, of course. Battled Lauda for his one championship. Sam. Nelson PK. Three time champ as well. Correct answer. Harry. Alan Jones. 1980 Formula One world champion. Correct. Going along nicely, Sam. Emerson Fittipaldi. Two-time champ in the 70s. Uh, Old school two-time world champ. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Correct answer, though. Harry. Uh, Keki Rosberg. Yep, the other Rosberg is correct. Another one from the 80s. Sam. Uh, Jackie Stewart. Three-time champ, yeah. I, I almost didn't give it to you for the accent, but yes, um, it's a correct answer. Harry. Um, Graham Hill. Graham Hill is a correct answer. Sam. Uh, if I say what I've already said, am I, is that all right? Is there a lot yes. of names? That's all right. Uh, Jim Clark. We haven't had Jim Clark yet. Come on. Champion in the 60s. Harry. Um, Mike Hawthorne? Yeah. First British champion in the 1950s. Um, you're going along nicely here. You've uh, you've got 24 of the 33 to this point. Sam? Blimey. Uh, go back down under. Jack Brabham. Jack Brabham. Champion three times over. Harry? Um... Was it Ascari? Alberto Ascari? Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. He was. Another two-time champ in the two-time 50s. Sam? Um, Joachim Rint. Yes, 1970 world champion. The only posthumous world champion. Um, Harry? Posthumously correct. Oh. Was John Surtees a champ? He was... World champ in 1964. Sam, uh, going along very well. Just five left. Uh, Jody Schechter. Jody Schechter, 1979 world champion. Four to go. Harry, have you got any more names left up your sleeve? Um, I think I do. No. Johnny Herbert, he wasn't a champion. <laughs> Sugar big. Champions, not not legends, just champions. A champion of our heart. Um, that counts. No, I I'll call I'll call it. Can they right. Con- concession from Harry Eid giving Sam the win on this one. Good effort from you both with just four to go. Could you could you name any more, Sam? Phil Hill. Phil Hill, uh, the third of the Phils to, oh, to win, yes. a, win a title. On, Unrelated to the uh, other two. The other Andretti. Yeah, two American oh, yeah. champs. Hill and Andretti. How could you forget Michael? How could you forget Michael? <laughs> I've Marco, got... not Michael. Um, Sorry. I'm going to get the name wrong. I can't remember his first name. Obviously, the bloke that won it first. Yeah. Farina. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Giuseppe or Nino Farina. Yeah. And the final one is is from down under. I can't remember his surname. Mark Harry Webber. Depp. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mark Webber won the world title. Uh, unless 19. Mark Webber was uh, driving at minus twenty years old, uh, I don't think quite is he. Denny Holm. Denny Holm, world champion in nineteen sixty-seven. Uh, well done. Managed to run the gauntlet. Come on! All the world champions. Sam knows them all. I... It is the only thing in Formula 1 I'm actually relatively knowledgeable on. We'll have to uh, 
have to avoid Formula One world champions in future, so um, I can I can go back to to making you both look stupid again. Yes, please. Thanks, Ben. No Cheers. worries. No worries. Play I mean, that jingle. From the of my heart. <laughs> F one. Back and forth, it's F1. Back and forth, it goes backwards. Then goes forth, it's F1. Back and forth, F1. Cool, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, it's been a much longer episode than uh, you might have listened to, guys. You, you, <laughs> might, be, you might be happy getting to the end of the hour. We, we've been here for four days, uh, so Sam, I... Get us out of here so we don't have to waste too much more time of people's lives. Oh, sorry, folks. It's been a little bit low energy at the end. Yeah, we're all pretty knackered. Um, next week might come out a little bit late. Uh, we've got some things going on in personal lives that means that we might be recording a day or so late next week for the Monaco preview. But there will be a Monaco preview episode and there will be a Monaco review episode. They will be happening. So please make sure you come back. Check us out. We'll be posting on social media as well when those are live. So make sure you keep rising at Atle Breaking over on Twitter. Uh, and we look forward to hearing what your thoughts. Let us know as well what you think about the most recent topics we've talked about. Is Yuki out of line? What's the staff have got to do to beat Hamilton? And is Hamilton lucky to be in front? We'd love to know your thoughts. In the meantime, I've been Sam Say. I've been Ben Hocking. I've been Denny Holt. And remember, <laughs> keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.